I want to say to you this morning as I begin that uh, I have tremendous passion for the message I'll be sharing with you today, but I don't have the vehicle to deliver it. I'm a little hoarse this morning, been a little, a little under the weather over the weekend, but I'm excited about what I'll be sharing with you this, this morning because we're going to be looking in Paul's third chapter to the Philippians and in this passage... Paul talks about the heart of the gospel. When I say what is the gospel, we might get a bunch of different answers to that question. What Paul does in this third chapter is the first thing he does is he tells us what it is not. The gospel is not Jesus and. Jesus and religion. uh, Jesus and morality. Uh, Jesus and your heritage, Jesus and a ritual, Jesus and your church attendance. It's just Jesus alone. That there is nothing on your resume that qualifies you for the kingdom. There's nothing in your past that will keep you from it or condemn you. And there is nothing in your weakness that will doom you. Because it's not an and. Christ alone is sufficient. That's the message of the gospel. And we're going to hear that today very clearly in the message. But before I launch into that, though, I have to show you uh, something that happened this week that was unexpected to me. And I want to use it because I want to underline why we're doing these groups, overflow groups. The idea behind the overflow group was that we would put the materials in people's hands And they would go into the community and meet people that would never walk in the doors of this church. If we're waiting for people to walk in here to hear a message, we're going to be waiting a long time because people are not going to walk in. Our call as a church is to live out the gospel, to meet people where they are, to embrace them where they are. And so I was really surprised this week when um, a friend produced a video, I didn't know anything about it, called Beer Talk, and references one of our overflow groups. So actually, Rob came this one. Rob, raise your hand. I asked him for permission to show this. We're just going to show his video now, then I'm going to underline why this is so cool. Let's see it. My wife recently told me that she was going to meet some friends at a brewery and they were going to do a book study. And I thought that was interesting and I was glad to see her kind of stepping out and enjoying craft (coughs) beer. And when she told me the book that they were studying, I found that really interesting. And we'll talk about it coming up on Beer Talk. Two words that aren't normally associated together, like salt and pepper, you've heard of that, biscuits and gravy, sweet and sour, none of those sound odd to you. But what about Bible and brews? Well, that's what today's story is about and some ladies that are enjoying craft beer right here in Louisville while doing a book study. And their book study is the Bible. Well, you mentioned beer and Bible and a lot of people are on board. You'd be surprised. I wanted something so that they wouldn't feel like everybody was judging them. I think it lets everybody relax and go, well, if I can drink a beer with these women, I can do anything with these women. I can talk to them about anything. Well, anyone that I've mentioned it to have 
um, wanted to join and have been upset that they weren't invited. So I guess it's been perceived pretty well. Um, I really like this study. It's a very light study. It's not overwhelming. You don't feel like you don't know anything, um, even if you are not that knowledgeable of the Bible, because it's a very much of a, a relationship with others study and how you want to go out and have that relationship with others. And we have a good time, and um, I think the women are enjoying it, and it's just nice to get together. We're doing it in a brewery, and we've had quite a few people come up and, and ask us what we're doing, and when we tell them, um, they're used like, hey, that's kind of cool, and we ask them if we can pray for them, and usually they have something they need to pray for, so we pray for them, and so I think they feel more comfortable about approaching us and asking us questions about it because we're in a brewery drinking beer. It just is a relaxing thing. Everybody relaxes with a beer. It's just the atmosphere of it. We're at Third Term Brewing and um, it's actually a church. We thought that was fun. It just has a really good feel. We're in the back corner and it's quiet back here most of the time and it's it's just been a good, a good place for us to be. That's, that's, thank you, Rob. This is why this is so important. I really, I had no idea Rob was going to do this. And uh, Rob actually calls his uh, website or his videos the gospel of beer, craft beer. But our church is about the gospel of Jesus. But Rob's wife, Lisa, attends and took that video and started a group at Third Turn. The result is there are people who are coming into contact with the church who would have never had any contact with our church at all, who would have never walked in the doors of the church. The world we're living in has dramatically changed. If we want to connect with people, we have to empower people to be able to meet people where they are in the community. That's why we're doing these series. And if you heard Lisa say, Lisa said people are asking for prayers and are asking for people to pray for them. I went over there last week talked to the person who runs the place and said, yeah, it's really neat. There's this group of women. Uh, by the way, my wife's a part of this group. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it's really cool. They're here reading and studying the Bible together. I'm not necessarily advocating beer drinking, not putting it down either. But what I'm saying is, do you see what we're trying to do? We're trying to reach our culture with the gospel, and we have to find creative ways to do it. And it's just so cool that suddenly... Rob's producing a video, and it's about what we're doing. So thank you, Rob. So this is so relevant to what I'm talking about today. Because the Apostle Paul did not wait around for people to walk into his building. He didn't have a building. Paul went where people lived. He went where people worked. He met people in their ordinary day life. He built relationships with them. And in the context of those relationships, he was able to share with them a life-altering message of the grace of Jesus. And his message was so incredibly compelling that people responded to it with their lives. And so in Philippi, this little community large city actually, Paul met some people, began to share the gospel with them, and right in the midst of their world, they started this community in the midst of their community. Paul now in the third chapter is trying to underline what that message is. 
Now, when you read it, I will tell you, if you read it, your eyes might glaze over and you might get a little lost in the language and the words because it might be foreign to you. But I want to unpack it for you today because I want you to understand the heart of our message. Not my message, not our church's message, but the gospel message. And at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul is very concerned that the message of the gospel is being perverted. That there are false teachers entering into the church community and preaching a message that is not the gospel. I call it Jesus and. In chapter 3, he says, I want you to beware of the dogs, the mutilators of the flesh, the circumcision party. He's basically saying that there were a group of Jewish Christians who had entered into their community and said, in order for you to be saved, in order for you to be counted among God's kingdom, you must be circumcised. In other words, Jesus and circumcision. Jesus and circumcision. And it's no different today. Every church group, every religious body adds an and to it. Jesus and the way we do baptism. Jesus and not drinking. Jesus and not dancing. Jesus and observing this belief or this tradition or this ritual or this path. Jesus and speaking in tongues. Jesus, think of all the ands we add to it. That you're not considered a part of the kingdom. You're not a true Christian unless you have this and attached to it. So Paul says here in verse number 3, he says, he's, he's criticizing this group, and he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. What he's saying here is not the and that counts. It's Jesus alone. He says, we don't put confidence in our own effort. And he says, it's a mistake to place confidence in what you do because Christ himself is enough. And then Paul goes on and says in the latter, he says, hey, if anybody's got reason to be confident, I do. And Paul then cites his resume. Paul lists, there's what he says. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Paul is talking about a ritual. He said, I have a reason to be confident because I participated in this ritual. Think about what people say today. Oh, I was baptized when I was a baby. Or I went through confirmation class. Or I participated in this Bible study. I participated in this ritual. Paul then says, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. A pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He's talking here about his heritage. I hear it all the time. I belong to the body of Christ because I'm a fifth-generation disciple of Christ. Or I grew up in the Catholic Church. Or I grew up in the Presbyterian Church. Paul then talks about his rank. He says, I was a member of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was one of the most highly held tribes in Israel, held with high esteem. Some people say, well, I belong to the kingdom of God. I'm a Christian because I belong to this sect. My church, my religion, my denomination is better than the others because we have the true gospel. Then he says, I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Here he's talking about his education. 
about what he's been taught, how he's been schooled, the Bible studies attend, his knowledge. And then he refers to his sincerity. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. He's referring to sincerity. Notice what people sometimes will say, well, he's really sincere. He, it doesn't really matter what they believe as long as they're just really, really sincere. And he lifts up his sincerity. And then finally, he refers to his morality. And as far as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul's resume, when he talks about his confidence, I got ritual, I got heritage, I got rank, religion, education, sincerity, and morality. Those are all things that are the and, okay, the and. But here's what Paul says. It's not that those are not good things, but those in them themselves do not qualify us, they do not include us, they do not gain our entrance into the kingdom of God or make us Christians. He says in verse 7 now, here's the gospel, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's not saying they don't matter. Where he came from doesn't matter. He's saying they don't give me my salvation. They don't make me a Christian. He says, yes, everything else is worthless with compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus who is my Lord. For his sake, I discarded everything. He says, I have let go of my resume, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. He's saying, I've let go of all of it. I've let go of my resume. I've stopped trying to prove myself so that I could become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, and this is the gospel. Is anybody, everybody with me this morning? Am I preaching? Because I'm trying. I'm working at it. But look at what he says here. Here's the gospel. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, not me, not you, not what I do, not my heritage, not my rank, not my ritual, not my religion, not my sincerity, not morality, Christ and Christ alone. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. You see, that's the gospel. It's not Jesus and, it's just Jesus. It's Jesus who breaks the chains. It's Jesus that sets us free. Is Jesus alone, that Jesus himself is enough. But if you listen to the false gospel around us, it's Jesus and. Now I point out two more things about Paul. So Paul's resume did not qualify him. But Paul also had a past. And if you read through the book of Acts and other parts of Paul's letters, Paul talks about his past. At one point, Paul was a terrorist, but Paul became a preacher. Paul was a hater. Paul became a lover. Paul, at one point, Paul was actively engaged in the persecution of the early church. If anybody would have been condemned for their past, it was Paul. He actively participated in the death of one of the early apostles, the apostle Stephen, 
authorized the death of one of the apostles. But as you read Paul's story, an amazing thing happens. Paul wasn't doing anything. One day he's on his way to Damascus to kill other Christians. When he's blinded by a bright light, he's confronted by Jesus Christ. And in that moment, not because Paul was good, and irregardless of Paul's past, Jesus met Paul and said, Paul, you're not going to be a terrorist anymore because I have chosen you from all people. You have been qualified, set apart to become my evangelist, to preach the gospel. You see, if anybody had a reason to be condemned, it was Paul. But Paul's past did not matter when it came to what God was going to do for him. Your past does not matter. The chain that you walked in here carrying does not matter. It does not bar you from participation in the kingdom of God. He meets you every day, every morning, ready for your assignment, ready to work in your life. You see, your resume doesn't qualify you. Your past doesn't condemn you. And finally, your weakness does not doom you. You see, Paul in another part, uh, Romans chapter 7, says these words. He says, I'm unspiritual. He says, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. I know the right thing to do, and I still don't do it. Am I talking to anybody? We know the right thing to say, we don't say it. We know the right thing to not say, and we say it. We know what we should do to live a good life that we want to live, but we don't do it. We know the right choice. We make the wrong decision. We make the wrong mistake. I don't know about you, but as for me, I am my own worst enemy. I know the right thing to do. And, I, and Paul says it over, and he just falls all over himself. He says, I look at the law of God, and he said, I just can't keep it. He says, I feel helpless to keep it. And then in this powerful moment of confession, he says, what a wretched human being I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then Paul says, Jesus Christ, that's who. Not my religion, not my heritage, not my resume, Jesus. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is Christ alone. It's not Christ and. It is the free gift of God of what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. He did not save you, does not save me because you are good or because I am good, but because he is good. And the reason he reaches out to you, rescues you, comes looking for you, searching for you, even though you may run away from him, is because you belong to him. You are his. You're the apple of his eye. You're the, the, the heart of his affection. That's the gospel. That your resume does not qualify you. Your past does not condemn you. Your weakness does not doom you. And you know what that means? It means that every person that walks into this room, every person at third turn, every person where you work, we all stand before God on the same footing. We're all flawed, we're all imperfect, we're all weak, we're all broken, every one of us. 
No one is higher than another person. No one is lower than another person. In the kingdom of God, we are all the same. Whether you're new to the kingdom or you've been with the kingdom a long time. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christian your whole life, you've been in church your whole life, you're in no better position than anyone else. And so God was doing an incredible thing. I want you to understand how the gospel tears down walls because the gospel says everybody's welcome. It's not what you did that gained your entrance. And so as a result, it's a community of people made up of all races, all genders, all backgrounds, all orientations. Anyone and everyone is welcome because we all stand before our King Jesus on the same footing, imperfect, flawed, and forgiven in Jesus Christ, Christ alone. That's the gospel. And you know what that does for us? It gives us three gifts. Here are the fruits. Here are how you know it's taking root in your life. It produces humility, a humility to know that I could not save myself. Humility to know I'm not better than anyone else. It also grows passion. Paul in this letter says, he says, the priceless value of knowing him. And when you know and understand it's not what you do, but what he does for you, it produces passion. How can you not love someone who loves you so much? And the final thing is it produces freedom. Listen to this. Paul goes on and says then in this letter, he says, there's this one thing I do then in response to this message. In response to the message of the grace of Jesus Christ, in response to this message, I forget the past. And I lean into the future. I forget the past and I lean into the future. It's not so easy to do because we all live in the past, don't we? It's hard to let go of the past because of these things, our regrets, our losses, our failures, our heartbreaks, our bad breaks, our mistakes, our disappointments. And sometimes it's our success in the past. Do you remember Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite? He continued to live his uh, glory days as a quarterback. You know, he's in his 40s and he still thinks he's a high school quarterback. Some of us are living our past success or the point. We're living in the past. And what Paul is saying here is because of what Christ has done for us, we can let go of all that. What's holding you back? The path has been cleared for you. You can let go of the past and lean into the future. You have a future. Who you have been is not who you need or have to be. You are free in Christ. And what that means to me is that you can stop bragging about your resume and you can stop apologizing for your mistakes and you can stop moaning about what you can't do. So I tell myself, David, don't brag anymore, don't apologize anymore. 
and stop moaning about what you can't do. And so let go of all that and live the life he wants me to live. And I want you to know this, that it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, there's always more in front of you than behind you. I had a room full of people this morning earlier in their 80s. And I said, do you feel there's more in front of you than behind you? And I'm not sure how they answered that question, but a lot of them have 80 years behind them. And I said, but if you believe in Christ, don't you? No, there's more in front of you than behind you. That someday you're going to die and I'm going to die, and then we have eternity with Christ in front of us. As long as Christ is in our life, there's always more in front of us. And why? Because your resume doesn't qualify you. Your past doesn't condemn you. And your weakness doesn't doom you. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Jesus alone.